Chapter 19, Part 1 of The Wonderful Adventures of Nils by Selma Lagerlof, translated by Velma Swanston Howard. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Gerald Moe, Tucker, Georgia. The Big Bird Lake, Jaro the Wild Duck. On the eastern shore of Vedern lies Mount Amberg, east of Amberg lies Dagmosse, east of Dagmosse lies Lake Tackern. Around the whole of Tackern spreads the big, even Ostergata Plain. Tackern is a pretty large lake, and in olden times it must have been still larger, but then the people thought it covered entirely too much of the fertile plain so they attempted to drain the water from it that they might sow and reap on the lake bottom. But they did not succeed in laying waste the entire lake, which had evidently been their intention, therefore it still hides a lot of land. Since the draining the lake has become so shallow that hardly at any point is it more than a couple of meters deep. The shores have become marshy and muddy and out in the lake little mud islets stick up above the water's surface. Now there is one who loves to stand with his feet in the water if he can just keep his body and head in the air, and that is the reed, and it cannot find a better place to grow upon than the long shallow tackern shores and around the little mud islets. It thrives so well that it grows taller than a man's height and so thick that it is almost impossible to push a boat through it. It forms a broad green enclosure around the whole lake, so that it is only accessible in a few places where people have taken away the reeds. But if the reeds shut the people out, they give, in return, shelter and protection to many other things. In the reeds there are a lot of little dams and canals with green still water where duckweed and pondweed run to seed and where gnat eggs and blackfish and worms are hatched out in uncountable masses. And all along the shores of these little dams and canals there are many well-concealed places where seabirds hatch their eggs and bring up their young without being disturbed either by enemies or food worries. An incredible number of birds live in the tackern reeds, and more and more gather there every year as it becomes known what a splendid abode it is. The first who settled there were the wild ducks, and they still live there by thousands. But they no longer own the entire lake, for they have been obliged to share it with swans, grebes, coots, loons, fen ducks, and a lot of others. Tackern is certainly the largest and choicest bird lake in the whole country, and the birds may count themselves lucky as long as they own such a retreat. But it is uncertain just how long they will be in control of reeds and mud banks, for human beings cannot forget that the lake extends over a considerable portion of good and fertile soil, and every now and then the proposition to drain it comes up among them. And if these propositions were carried out, 
the many thousands of water birds would be forced to move from this quarter. At the time when Nils Holgersson traveled around with the wild geese, there lived at Tackern a wild duck named Jaro. He was a young bird who had only lived one summer, one fall, and a winter. Now it was his first spring. He had just returned from South Africa and had reached Tackern in such good season that the ice was still on the lake. One evening, when he and the other young wild ducks played at racing backward and forward over the lake, a hunter fired a couple of shots at them, and Jaro was wounded in the breast. He thought he should die, but in order that the one who had shot him shouldn't get him into his power, he continued to fly as long as he possibly could. He didn't think whither he was directing his course, but only struggled to get far away. When his strength failed him so that he could not fly any further, he was no longer on the lake. He had flown a bit inland, and now he sank down before the entrance to one of the big farms which lie along the shores of Takern. A moment later a young farmhand happened along. He saw Jaro and came and lifted him up. But Jaro, who asked for nothing but to be let die in peace, gathered his last powers and nipped the farmhand in the finger so he should let go of him. Jaro didn't succeed in freeing himself. The encounter had this good in it at any rate. The farmhand noticed that the bird was alive. He carried him very gently into the cottage and showed him to the mistress of the house, a young woman with a kindly face. At once she took Jaro from the farmhand, stroked him on the back and wiped away the blood which trickled down through the neck feathers. She looked him over very carefully, and when she saw how pretty he was, with his dark green shining head, his white neckband, his brownish-red back, and his blue wing mirror, she must have thought that it was a pity for him to die. She promptly put a basket in order and tucked the bird into it. All the while Jaro fluttered and struggled to get loose, but when he understood that the people didn't intend to kill him, he settled down in the basket with a sense of pleasure. Now it was evident how exhausted he was from pain and loss of blood. The mistress carried the basket across the floor to place it in the corner by the fireplace, but before she put it down Jaro was already fast asleep. In a little while Jaro was awakened by someone who nudged him gently. When he opened his eyes he experienced such an awful shock that he almost lost his senses. Now he was lost, for there stood the one who was more dangerous than either human beings or birds of prey. It was no less a thing than Caesar himself, the long-haired dog, who nosed around him inquisitively. How pitifully scared had he not been last summer, when he was still a little yellow-down duckling, every time it had sounded over the reed-stems, Caesar is coming, Caesar is coming! When he had seen the brown and white spotted dog with the teeth-filled jowls come wading through the reeds, he had believed that he beheld death itself. He had always hoped that he would never have to live through that moment 
when he should meet Caesar face to face. But, to his sorrow, he must have fallen down in the very yard where Caesar lived, for there he stood right over him. "'Who are you?' he growled. "'How did you get into the house? Don't you belong down among the reed-banks?' It was with great difficulty that he gained the courage to answer, "'Don't be angry with me, Caesar, because I came into the house,' said he. "'It isn't my fault. I have been wounded by a gunshot. It was the people themselves who laid me in this basket.' "'Oh, ho, so it's the folks themselves that have placed you here,' said Caesar. "'Then it is surely their intention to cure you.' although for my part I think it would be wiser for them to eat you up, since you are in their power. But, at any rate, you are tabooed in the house. You needn't look so scared. Now we're not down on Tackern. With that Caesar laid himself to sleep in front of the blazing log fire. As soon as Jaro understood that this terrible danger was past, extreme lassitude came over him, and he fell asleep anew. The next time Jaro awoke, he saw that a dish with grain and water stood before him. He was still quite ill, but he felt hungry nevertheless, and began to eat. When the mistress saw that he ate, she came up and petted him, and looked pleased. After that Jaro fell asleep again. For several days he did nothing but eat and sleep. One morning Jaro felt so well that he stepped from the basket and wandered along the floor. But he hadn't gone very far before he keeled over and lay there. Then came Caesar, opened his big jaws, and grabbed him. Jaro believed, of course, that the dog was going to bite him to death, but Caesar carried him back to the basket without harming him. Because of this, Jaro acquired such a confidence in the dog Caesar that on his next walk in the cottage he went over to the dog and lay down beside him. Thereafter Caesar and he became good friends, and every day for several hours Jaro lay and slept between Caesar's paws. But an even greater affection than he felt for Caesar did Jaro feel toward his mistress. Of her he had not the least fear, but rubbed his head against her hand when she came and fed him. Whenever she went out of the cottage he sighed with regret, and when she came back he cried welcome to her in his own language. Jaro forgot entirely how afraid he had been of both dogs and humans in other days. He thought now that they were gentle and kind, and he loved them. He wished that he were well so he could fly down to Tackern and tell the wild ducks that their enemies were not dangerous and that they need not fear them. He had observed that the human beings, as well as Caesar, had calm eyes which it did one good to look into. The only one in the cottage whose glance he did not care to meet was Clawina the house-cat. She did him no harm either, but he couldn't place any confidence in her. Then, too, she quarreled with him constantly because he loved human beings. "'You think they protect you because they are fond of you,' said Clawina. "'You just wait until you are fat enough, then they'll wring the neck off you. I know them, I do.' Jaro, like all birds, had a tender and affectionate heart, 
and he was unutterably distressed when he heard this. He couldn't imagine that his mistress would wish to wring the neck off him, nor could he believe any such thing of her son, the little boy who sat for hours beside his basket and babbled and chattered. He seemed to think that both of them had the same love for him that he had for them. One day, when Jaro and Caesar lay on the usual spot before the fire, Clawina sat on the hearth and began to tease the wild duck. I wonder, Jaro, what you wild ducks will do next year when Tackern is drained and turned into grain fields, said Clawina. What's that you say, Clawina? cried Jaro and jumped up, scared through and through. I always forget, Jaro, that you do not understand human speech like Caesar and myself, answered the cat or else you surely would have heard how the men, who were here in the cottage yesterday, said that all the water was going to be drained from Tackern, and that next year the lake bottom would be as dry as a house floor. And now I wonder where you wild ducks will go. When Jaro heard this talk, he was so furious that he hissed like a snake. You are just as mean as a common coot, he screamed at Clawina. You only want to incite me against human beings. I don't believe they want to do anything of the sort. They must know that Tackern is the wild duck's property. Why should they make so many birds homeless and unhappy? You have certainly hit upon all this to scare me. I hope that you may be torn in pieces by Gorgo the eagle. I hope that my mistress will chop off your whiskers." But Jaro couldn't shut Clawina up with this outburst. So you think I'm lying, said she. Ask Caesar, then. He was also in the house last night. Caesar never lies. Caesar, said Jaro, you understand human speech much better than Clawina. Say that she hasn't heard aright. Think how it would be if the people drained Tackern and changed the lake bottom into fields. Then there would be no more pondweed or duck food for the grown wild ducks, and no blackfish or worms or gnat eggs for the ducklings. Then the reed banks would disappear, where now the ducklings conceal themselves until they are able to fly. All ducks would be compelled to move away from here and seek another home. But where shall they find a retreat like Tackern? Caesar, say that Clawina has not heard aright. It was extraordinary to watch Caesar's behavior during this conversation. He had been wide awake the whole time before, but now, when Charo turned to him, he panted, laid his long nose on his forepaws, and was sound asleep within the wink of an eyelid. The cat looked down at Caesar with a knowing smile. I believe that Caesar doesn't care to answer you, she said to Jaro. It is with him as with all dogs. They will never acknowledge that humans can do any wrong. But you can rely upon my word at any rate. I shall tell you why they wish to drain the lake just now. As long as you wild ducks still had the power on Tackern, they did not wish to drain it for at least they got some good out of you. But now, grebes and coots and other birds, 
who are no good as food, have infested nearly all the reed banks, and the people don't think they need let the lake remain on their account. Jaro didn't trouble himself to answer Clawina, but raised his head and shouted in Caesar's ear, Caesar, you know that on Tacern there are still so many ducks left that they fill the air like clouds. Say it isn't true that human beings intend to make all of these homeless. Then Caesar sprang up with such a sudden outburst at Clawina that she had to save herself by jumping up on a shelf. I'll teach you to keep quiet when I want to sleep, bawled Caesar. Of course I know that there is some talk about draining the lake this year, but there's been talk of this many times before without anything coming of it, and that draining business is a matter in which I take no stock whatever. For how would it go with the game if Tackern were laid waste? You're a donkey to gloat over a thing like that. What will you and I have to amuse ourselves with when there are no more birds on Tackern? End of chapter 19, part 1. Recording by Gerald Moe, Tucker, Georgia.